So you may say that person has a vivid imagination, really. Well, that was really vivid. So vivid that it, it epigenetically signaled new genes and for health and down-regulated genes for disease. I mean, that's how monumental it was. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. All right, I've got a new discovery to share with you. It's called Peak Tea Crystals. Now, I've been a fan of tea and I've understood the health benefits of tea for a long time. But to be quite honest, I always feel like tea is a little weak, like the flavor profile is just not there for me. And as a result, I feel like there's probably not enough medicine in it. Additionally, I find it to be a little bit of a pain in the ass to make tea because you got to deal with the whole tea bag. You have to wait for it to be ready and all that. I don't know. It's just kind of like hard for me to figure out. What I love about Peak Tea is that they make a concentrated tea extract powder that you easily just pour into some hot water. And it makes this tea 12 times more antioxidant rich. And I would say at least 12 times more potent in its flavor. It's absolutely delicious. And so during the day, I'll often have one of these myself, like a green tea, maybe jasmine, mint green, or the fermented pu'er green tea. And I'll often offer these to my guests when they come in. And every single time they're like, oh my God, this is the best tea ever. What is it? And uh, that's my secret. I don't tell them. No, I do. It's peak tea crystals. Uh, Also at night, they have a hibiscus and a ginger that are really great kind of warming, soothing teas. And they're super strong and just delicious tasting. Sometimes I'll even use these teas as a base to work on other elixirs and like add some ghee and different things like that. And so they're just freaking amazing. And I'm excited to share them with you. They are triple tested for toxins. They're like absolutely the cleanest, most delicious and most health beneficial teas I've ever found. Very concentrated polyphenols, really good for your immunity and a balanced microbiome. They're just absolutely awesome. So here's what I'd like you to do. Go over to peaktea.com. That's P-I-Q-U-E-T-A-E, peaktea.com. Enter the code Luke Story and save 10% off. That's peaktea.com. The code is Luke Story for 10% off. They don't have sales very often. There's a hard company to get a discount with. So get over there and get your discount now. However, I must say this discount does not apply to their fermented pu'er teas due to their limited quantity. But go to peaktea.com, enter the code Luke Story, and save 10% off right now. If you follow me on social media, you've no doubt seen me wearing my Blue Blocks glasses. You can find them at blueblocks.com. And if you use the code lifestylist over there, you're going to save 15% off. So why do I wear these glasses? Well, during the day, even if you're in somewhere that's supposed to be healthy, like let's say a Whole Foods or even the gym, you're probably walking around under the most trash brain and eye destructive light possible, LED lights, fluorescent lights, etc. So it's really important to protect your eyes and your brain and your melatonin, etc. not only at night, as now many of us are learning, but also during the day. So that's why I have different color blue blocks. I'll have the ones that have lenses that are yellow, the ones at night that are more amber or even dark red. Just depends on the time of day. But I love blue blocks because they are scientifically valid and that they're blocking out the right spectrum. And they also have really well-made frames that are made in Australia, not like cheap-ass ones made in China. They're going to fall apart. 
etc. So they're really high quality. Another thing that's very cool is they're now doing prescriptions. So you can get reading glasses or your regular RX glasses by just uploading your script at checkout and they do the rest. You can also send them your own frames and they'll make your rad looking glasses blue blocking. It's very cool. So again, go to blueblocks.com and enter the code lifestylist to save 15% off. Also, another new product they have that's very cool is something called the Remedy Sleep Mask that you can wear once you take your blue blocking glasses off. Did you know that light hitting your eyes, even when they're closed, is enough to raise blood sugar levels and suppress melatonin? Yeah. So that's why you need a 100% blackout sleep mask. Now, this thing is awesome for travel. There's no eye pressure. It doesn't like smash your eyes like a lot of eye masks do. It gives you complete uh, darkness and that's guaranteed. And they also have free worldwide shipping, not only for the sleep mask, but also for their glasses. So I would do yourself a favor, cook up some of the glasses and definitely get the uh, Remedy sleep mask as well. You can find them at blueblocks.com and you can save 15% with the code LIFESTYLIST. That's blueblocks.com. I am incredibly stoked to deliver today's episode of the Lifestylist podcast unto you, my friends, due to overwhelming popular demand for Mr. Joe Dispenza. We finally got him on the show. I was able to uh, track him down at the Attune event in Atlanta, Georgia, where I was speaking along with Joe, Gabby Bernstein, and all these other fantastic people. I got to conduct quite a few amazing interviews while I was there, this one being one that I was so excited about. In the event that you've been living under a spiritual, metaphysical, personal development rock and have not heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza, here's his credentials. He's an international lecturer, researcher, corporate consultant, author, and educator who is driven by the conviction that each of us has the potential for greatness and unlimited abilities. Dr. Joe's passion can be found at the intersection of the latest findings from the fields of neuroscience, epigenetics, and quantum physics to explore the science behind spontaneous remissions. He uses that knowledge to help people heal themselves of illnesses, chronic conditions, and even terminal diseases so that they can enjoy a more fulfilled and happy life as well as evolve their consciousness. He's also the New York Times bestselling author of a number of different books, all of which I'm a huge fan, including the most recent, Becoming Supernatural, How Common People Are Doing the Uncommon, which draws on research conducted at his advanced workshops, of which I am an upcoming guest next week in Indian Wells, California. Really stoked about that. He's been doing that since 2012 to explore how common people are doing the uncommon to transform themselves and their lives. Now, if you're someone who's very familiar with Joe's meditations, his books, his workshops, etc., you've probably listened to a number of his interviews, as have I, various podcasts and the like. My goal with this conversation with Dr. Joe was to really get into some freaky stuff, <laughs> meaning I don't want to ask Joe the same questions everyone asks him in every interview uh, because it's already been done and I wanted to have some originality. And thankfully, Joe was just so cool and fun and just rolled with it. And this is a shorter interview in comparison to some of my others. And I knew I had a finite you know, amount of time with him because we're all at this event and there's a lot going on. I can't sit there for three hours uh, when he's got to speak and all this. So I had about an hour, maybe a little bit less. And uh, I was just so curious personally about some of the things I've discovered with his work and some of the amazing results I've had doing his meditations. And 
I just had an immense uh, amount of curiosity about it. So we talked about the similarities between Kundalini yoga and breath work and the science behind those and how they very much relate to the work that he does. Then we talked about the studies that are conducted at his events on the participants. So using HRV and brainwave measurements and such to really take a look scientifically at what this consciousness work does. And I found that to be really fascinating. So what's really happening in the brain when you're doing these types of meditations and breath work, the melatonin metabolites that are created, the uh, the DMT that your brain creates, is it possible to make it make more the similarities between his meditations and various plant medicine experiences that I've had and the incredible healing miracles that take place at Dr. Joe's events. I mean, it's just absolutely fascinating what the human spirit, mind and body is capable of when it's given a little guidance. And that's what he's so good at. And then the final thing we talk about, and you definitely want to stick around for this, are the non-physical entities or beings that visit Joe's workshops and do miraculous healing on the participants. Yes, I'm talking about non-physical beings. So not people, but things beyond the physical realm that enter the room and interact with people in the most fascinating ways. So I'm really excited to uh, share this unique conversation with Dr. Joe couple episodes coming up Friday. I'll be back with Q&A episode number nine, where I'm taking questions in the Facebook group. The next Tuesday, we have a show that's very much related to this one. And it's about the supremely psychedelic power of the Lucialite with my friend Allison, who's brought this crazy ass light over to my house a number of times. And it's really like the most psychedelic experience you can have just using your own mind and consciousness. And it very much reminds me of the work that Joe's doing with kaleidoscopes and different visual elements of his presentations and his trainings. So I hope someday, I don't know if Joe will ever hear this, but uh, if his people do, as they might uh, at some point, man, you guys got to check out the Lucia light because I think there's an amazing intersection of superpowers there. I've got a couple events coming up that I want to inform you about. You can always find my events, by the way, at lukestory.com forward slash events. I'll be speaking at the Upgrade Labs Biohacking Conference March 27th through 29th in Beverly Hills with my friends from Samina Sleep Systems and a great breakout session we're doing on sleep there. I'll also be at Paleo FX April 24th through 26th in Austin, Texas. And finally, I'll be back in LA to speak at Meet Delic a psychedelic meeting of the minds of sorts, May 2nd through 3rd. You can find those again at lukestory.com forward slash events. Okay, let's jump into this fascinating conversation with Dr. Joe Dispenza. And if you enjoy this episode, as I anticipate that you will, please do yourself, Joe, me, and the world a favor and share it with a friend. Here we go into a deep dive in all things consciousness with Dr. Joe. Welcome to the show, Joe Dispenza. Thank you, Luke. I'm happy to be here. Right on, dude. So I want to jump right into it. I've been doing your meditations. I'm coming to your February Indian Wells event. That's a good event to come to because we're doing a lot of scientific testing there. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. So I'm super stoked. Nice. When I got into your work, the thing that I found really interesting was that in some of the meditations and some of the subjective experiences that I would have and continue to have, uh, were very similar to Kundalini Yoga. And when I first started doing that practice, it was very transformative. And yet I would hear, you know, the kind of 
grandfather of the teachings, Yogi Bhajan, talk about what was happening uh, to the pineal gland and mm. you're raising your, you know, extending your magnetic field and all this stuff. And even though it felt good, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't help but think kind of this is bullshit, yeah. you know, but I kept yeah. doing it. Mm-hmm. I just thought, well, he, you know, he's just off on some trip. Then I get into your work and you're going, oh no, we are scientifically validating mm-hmm. that this work with the energy centers, uh, moving the energy, holding the breath, breathing, moving mm-hmm. in certain ways has this transformative healing effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, what I love about um, putting this all together is that um, more than likely, if you're studying with like a, an, a yogi master, as an example, it's a very different bridge between languages. You know, there's a language of this contemporary time and then there's just language of something that was 5,000 or 2,000 or 10,000 years old. And the language doesn't translate a lot of times. So if we use science as that language and we, and we can build a model of understanding and make it biological and make it neurological and make it hormonal and make it electromagnetic and, and, and bridge those sciences of electromagnetism with heart coherence and brain coherence and put together in this, probably a similar model, right? Uh, and the same effects, but... Uh, have it in a different language. And I think science is that language. Yeah. I think we're at a really exciting time at the moment where you have these ancient traditions that have been known to be um, effective in transformation and healing, but we're oftentimes, you know, inaccessible because they're a little too out there for your average Westerner, you know? And so... And, and, you know, I mean, Westerners are practical people, right? And so they're going to want to understand, many people want to understand it before they leap, Right. So when you talk tradition, when you talk culture, when you talk uh, religion, and even words like kundalini or chakras or certain words will shut people off, you know, just, or they'll have the wrong understanding of them. And, they, and, and so we, we do our best to rename them as something more biological, something more in the line of science so that people get a fresh look at it, a fresh learning about it. And, and, and then they can kind of build their own understanding. But um, I just, I think it's important really for people to just get science as that language. And another thing that I've observed in your teachings is uh, there are certain states that can be achieved naturally and through some of your meditations that I would liken as pretty close to an ayahuasca or DMT experience. Yeah. Are, are there ways in which we can breathe, move, focus our attention that actually releases DMT in the brain? Or is it the metabolites of melatonin that are doing that? What's going on chemically? <clears throat> yeah, so... It's so similar to some of those peak yeah. psychedelic experiences. So, you know, you it's kind of an interesting phenomenon because you have the wavelength of light, you know, light from the sun, light from light bulbs in your house. Uh, the wavelength of light actually sends a signal, uh, a frequency to the optic nerve, which sends a signal to this nucleus called the suprachiasmic nucleus, which signals the sympathetic nervous system, which signals the pineal gland. You start making serotonin. And that kind of gets you up, gets your brainwave going. You're moving to beta. You're kind of alert. And then, um, and then at night, the absence of light or the inhibition of light slows brainwaves down and the brain chemistry starts responding to a change. And the pineal gland takes serotonin and goes through just a real simple process and makes melatonin. And so the function of the way we live in this three-dimensional environment with visible light creates a rhythm called the circadian rhythm. So we're, we're up during the day and we sleep during the night, we dream, we repair, all that stuff. 
And so when you begin to activate these latent systems, Luke, when energy begins to um, interact with those latent systems and the pineal gland has those little tiny um, calcite crystals and they're rhomb- rhombohedron in shape and they're stacked up on top of each other. And they're in our pineal glands. Everybody has them in there. And when we do that breath and we, we hold our breath and we begin to contract and pump and pull those intrinsic muscles in, it's the activation of the, those crystals because the, the the mechanical stress that we're putting against it as we hold our breath and pump begins to produce what's called a piezoelectric effect. Now it's now it's now mechanical stress is turning into an electrical charge. Now now it's electrically activated. So energy is going to move that direction. So then if you do this properly and you begin to electrically activate those crystals, they begin to shimmer like a radio receiver. And if you can suppress the neocortex by dialing down the brain waves into a low level of alpha and even theta. Uh, and the person knows how to be conscious in their subconscious mind. And now the the, 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 the antenna's on, now you got to learn how to use it. you got to learn how to tune into frequencies and energies. And so how much time do we put our attention on matter in a waking day and how much of our attention we put on energy? Very little attention on energy. So this is an opportunity for people to begin to lo- learn how to use the dial and begin to tune into frequency. So when their brain is in theta, they're very suggestible to information, but that information is not coming from their uh, three-dimensional world, the information is coming from frequency because frequency carries information. So the pineal gland now is electrically activated. It's tuning in when someone locks into it while something cool happens. All of a sudden now, it transduces that frequency like a, like a TV antenna into pictures. So all of a sudden now your brain goes lucid and you start having profound imagery. Now, when you use plant medicines, you know, the, the derivatives from the plant medicine fit in the same receptor sites of serotonin and melatonin. Kind of those serotonin receptors begin to become fooled a little bit or at least altered. In this case now, when, the, when all of a sudden melatonin is present because the person has their eyes closed and they're in a meditation and they're there and they're deep into it, all of a sudden now, when the pineal gland begins to interact with a frequency that's faster, than the speed of light. Yeah, quantum, right? Oh, e wow. equals mc squared. Wow. Anything, fa- anything that uh, travels at the speed of light material is going to turn into energy. So now, now you're using the radio receiver to process a different frequency. Well, frequency carries information, so now melatonin is no longer melatonin. The pineal gland is receiving information, not from our senses, our, our, our neocortex is dialed way down, but from the field. And now all of a sudden, when it's transduced into profound imagery, what are the, what, what is the, what is the physics of that that connects us to our biology? And all of a sudden now, melatonin all of a sudden starts to produce an upgraded, uh, an upgraded chemical, an altered chemical, a derivative, a metabolite. And so it produces two of the most powerful antioxidants known to man, anti-cancer, anti-aging, anti-heart disease, anti-stroke, anti-neurodegenerative, anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial. That's, that's what the pineal does. It's, it's, melatonin's already an uh, antioxidant, but now we got an upgraded really powerful antioxidant. You take that molecule, you tweak it again, you get a benzodiazepine. What's that? Well, it's Valium. So <laughs> melatonin already chills you out, but now you're going to get chilled out a lot. And, and it's those chemicals that begin to further suppress the neocortex into a slower brainwave pattern of theta. Then it begins to sedate the thinking brain. It dials down the survival centers in the amygdala. And now the person can relax really relax in the present moment and rest and not feel like there's a predator always somewhere around the corner, a problem around the corner. That, that vigilance is, is uh, diminished. I take the m- melatonin, you tweak it again, and you got the same chemical found in hibernating animals. No sex drive, 
no appetite, no preoccupation with the environment. First three centers of the body. So now they're shut off. Drives are tuned down, and now the body's no longer the mind. It's in stasis. It's in a place where it can, it can dream, it can create. It's, it's in a perfect place. Take the molecule, tweak it again, and you got the same chemical found in electric eels. Now you got a nervous system that's going to produce much more energy, much more amplitudes of energy. And we see that in our brain scans during this transcendental moment. These are all fitting to the same receptor sites. But now it's just not one molecule you're getting at least five or six. And you take that molecule, tweak it again, you get dimethyltryptamine. It's the same chemical found in ayahuasca, but now your, your, your pineal gland is actually fabricating it. And now you're gonna, you know, melatonin already causes you to dream, but <laughs> you're going to lucid dream. You're going to get switched on and you're going to have a full-on sensory experience between your ears that's going to feel like more real than anything you experienced in your life. And that, that, that brain goes into a gamma brainwave state in super coherent, highly organized gamma brainwave patterns. And the autonomic nervous system now is on fire. And it's processing. And the autonomic nervous system is controlling, coordinating all those systems. It's, it's keeping um, blood flow going and, and, and um, vasodilation and, and gene expression and hormones and enzymes and digestion and all those things happening, the automatic system. Now it's processing a more coherent rhythmic, very fast frequency that's sending a very coherent message to all the cells and tissues and organs of the body. And the person's feeling something that's physical, but, and yet it's not, it's, it's not an emotion. It's electromagnetisms and energy. And it's that kind of energy that causes them to have an upgrade, uh, an upgrade either in the way they think or an upgrade in the way they feel, because the experience rewires the circuitry in the brain and experience produces a a new signal to the body, but the signal is not chemical, it's electrical. And now the person is more coherent, their, their biology is more organized. And, and so now they evolved. And so when they open their eyes and they, they return back to life, they're going to have a broader spectrum of reality because their brain is now wired to perceive what has always existed. But they didn't have the circuits to perceive until they had that in an experience. Right, right. right. It's interesting how you talk about the use of kaleidoscopes mm-hmm. and, and that visual, the fractal patterns. And, <clears throat> and that's something that is obviously inherent to uh, you know, psychedelic experience. But I've also had experiences like that doing really deep breath work. Mm-hmm. And especially with those long holds when yeah. you're, you know, you're yeah. holding the spine and activating yeah. the, the center of your brain. And all of a sudden, poof, you know, yeah. you're seeing all these. And so with this biochemical and light reaction and everything is happening, I'm assuming that this is very fertile ground for transforming the way you perceive your life and the way that you interact with your environment, right? Yes. The, the manifestation potential in this place is like you're the artist creating your life rather than yes. your life circumstances creating you. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of interesting because all those fractal patterns are just information. Trees are, everything we're seeing is information, but that's all sensory information material. Now you, an area awakens and now you're seeing information, but it's not going to be physical. It's, it's very organized information because that's coming from uh, the zero point field. And it's, it's those patterns that actually make up all nature, all consciousness. Everything is fractal. Whether you're looking at a fern tree, the leaf on the fern tree, whether you're looking at the, the, the uh, patterns in the brain and you look at the lung tissue or kidney tissue, it's all fractal in nature, right? So, so we're, seeing a, we're seeing the physical manifestation of those fractal patterns. And now we're perceiving information before it's material. That kind of gets exciting, right? But, but um, 
you can't you can't see that until you awaken those centers. Do you awaken those areas? Yeah, right. And and from this place is where we're going to be able to generate that feeling of gratitude and love for a life experience that to our old mind before that experience appeared to be somewhere in the future as a remote possibility or not, Mm -hmm. but feeling a sensed experience as if that's already happened. I'm going back. I mean, I know this is is inherent in your work, but I first found this concept, I think with Greg Braden, maybe going back 15 years ago of this lost mode of prayer where you're not like, Oh God, give me this thing I want. So I'm whole and complete. Yeah. But it's more like, thank you, great spirit, for bringing this thing into my reality, even though you don't quite see it yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, you know, I mean, you know, that's the material world fools us every day back into separation. You got to stay really aware that you're not separate. And when you get really good at that, then your thoughts can really actually have effects, more profound effects, because those thoughts are really connecting you to everything. I mean, that's the that's the cool part about it. So... So we, we want people to not pray in this work to have their prayers answered. We want them to get up as if their prayers are already answered. And it's that kind of energy that really begins to drop a big stone in the quantum. And, and I think it's cool that you know, people are starting to see these patterns and they see this information because many people now are having those experiences. And, and I mean, I was, I, that's why I created the kaleidoscope because that was the best way I could describe course now there's so many more computer generated images but it was the best way i could describe it at the time and they're so orderly that if you if you took a piece of it the whole is still in the piece it's just more order more orders and there's never any separation there that's that's coming from a realm beyond the speed of light that's like that's order that's patterns and and when those patterns break down in our field um the expression of matter uh changes uh, so when the pattern becomes more coherent, you change it in the field. It's not matter that's emitting the field. It's the field that's slowing down and creating matter. You put a new pattern in there, you change the pattern in the field, you change matter. Then you see more wholeness in physical structure. So when I've had those experiences, and now a lot of people in our work have those experiences, the moment I see those patterns, I just, I, I just know something amazing is going to happen. And I just relax into it. And I surrender and I just open up, whatever that is. you know, And that's the... That's again, that's again creating that inner vision. That's why the pineal is called the, the third eye. It should be called the first eye because that's where we really see from. Do you think there's any validity to this? Well, I guess it's not an idea. I actually interviewed a neurosurgeon and he confirmed this because he's opened up a lot of brains, but the calcification of the pineal gland, do you find that to be a barrier to entry for anyone that's been drinking fluoridated water their whole life? <laughs> well, there's absolutely, um, I mean, I, I, when I was in college and graduate school, I looked at enough x-rays and even in practice, uh, you could see uh, the calcified uh, pineal gland on a, on, a, on, a, on a certain x-ray. And they used to use it as a biological marker. In other words, it measured the middle of the brain and if it was off to one side or the other side, there was some space occupying lesion, a tumor, something pushing it over. And it was always just, you always checked it to make sure there was nothing abnormal there. So it has become, in a sense, uh, a marker, you know, a, a radiographic marker. But And you see them all the time. But I, I don't think the calcium is like... Um, like a, like a seashell. I think it's like a toothpaste consistency. I think it's more, I think it's, it's the gooiness of the calcification and the density that creates it. And, and um, I do think that, well, um, when energy is moving, I'm pretty certain that uh, energy would definitely um, break those uh, bonds uh, right. and, and begin to turn it into something In the else. same way that that same energy directed consciously could heal a bone faster than it would normally if it was just left alone without any sort of 
healing intention. Yeah, but think or about energy this. Input have, into it. Yeah, yeah. But think about those crystals as as just stacked like this, and then you have a layer of goop in there, and they're all gooped. But when the energy strikes it, the energy is greater than the positive or negative charge that's holding them together. So it's it takes a greater force than the force that's holding them together to begin to dilute them into into a solute, into a fluid again. And so you can, my point is, is that I don't want anybody to get discouraged and think, oh my God, my pineal glands <laughs> crystallize. I'm separate from the quantum and I can't connect. And yeah. well, that's why we do the breath. You know, we, we want to, we want to begin to have energy begin to stimulate it. And I, and I do think that when energy arrives there, I mean, you should, you know, our brain scans show that there's a tremendous amount of energy going in there. And I have no doubt that it could, um, it could, it could break the salt into, you know, that kind of semi- solute substance into a more, you know, solution-based, uh, less viscous material. When you're doing the brain scans, are you guys doing spec scans or what, what No, we type do of... quantitative um, uh, EEGs. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, we'll just keep doing them because uh, we now know um, that we can induce that state. We now know uh, that we can predict when it's going to happen. And we now know that we can replicate it because it's the same. We see the same exact thing. We're kind of demystifying that mystical experience. Right. If you can repeat the same experience over and over again. Yeah. And, and, if, I, and if I see it in you and then I see it in another person, I see it in right. another person and I see, uh-oh, here we go. Theta's getting big. Oh, it's way outside of normal. Okay. Then all of a sudden, theta becomes the carrier wave for gamma. And all of a sudden, the person just, they go right through high beta, right to gamma. And they're, and they're super coherent. And, and what, what, you know, so what happened to you? And they'll tell you the most profound experience. It's not, the subjective experience is being objectified, which is super cool because now it's becoming a law. When you record your meditations, there's your voice, which is very hypnotic at times. Some of them you go super hypnotic, yeah. you know, which I, I like because it's kind of trippy, you know, the energy center and it's, it, it really helps you drop into it. But then there's also these backing tracks. Are those neuroacoustic tracks that help with the brain entrainment, bringing you into theta or is they just pleasant sounding music? Okay. So that's a great question, Luke. So we've actually studied what goes on with music uh, during meditations. And, and there has to be a kind of music that's layered that where you, no sound could distract you know ambient sound you know you can't hear anything you hear that kind of full sound and we notice that when music doesn't have pauses or breaks but they're, it's layered then the person will get immersed in their inner world if we use biurnal beats or we use certain things like that i'm certain now that it's not the beat that's doing it it's the mathematics of the beat that's doing it Right. So we started noticing then when we're getting people in certain states that even when I said certain words, we could see 14 people going to gamma at the same time. They'd be like, oh, that, that was amazing. You should have seen that. And they show me the scans, the scientists show me the scans. So then the other thing I noticed is that I started picking more complex mathematical music. And I could time my voice in a way with that music I've never told anybody this. Cool. <laughs> uh, I would, and I got somebody entrained, and then instead of saying it when they expect me to say it, I don't. After I've done it for a period of time, I wait a little longer, and they're doing it by themselves, subconsciously, starting to move, anticipating what I'm going to say, but I don't say it then. I wait another mathematical round or so, and I say it again when I do that. This so, is when you're doing the recordings. 
Yeah, or when we're doing it live. live. Okay. And then all of a sudden, I see the persons, they're starting to go there before I go there. It's it's the mathematics and the entrainment and the pace. And then just moving, they're waiting and it doesn't come when it comes to the next one. They're already doing it before I do it. They're they're developing the skill of doing it. They don't know they're doing that. So then we start doing that consistently. and, um, And then as I have longer periods of time in the way that I do it, we notice that beta appears as we experience time, more time. Like, you know, we notice time is a big deal. When you're in alpha, you're less, time seems a little bit longer. You're in theta. Time is, you got a lot of time. Everything just slows way down, right? You, you, the time out here is still the same, but your relative time is just a lot slower. So then by drawing the time intervals a little bit greater, I can entrain a, a slower brainwave pattern. So we've just We've just kind of studied the technology. So you've tweaked with it as you go and yeah, kind of keep refining yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I got a couple of great musicians and, and I love participating in all of that and yeah. being a part of it. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. This episode is brought to you by Lifecycle, an evolutionary mushroom biotechnology company out of Byron Bay, Australia. You might have heard episode 255 recently with their co-founder, Julian Mitchell, where we took a deep dive into all things medicinal mushrooms. And these guys are truly changing the game when it comes to mushrooms. Let me tell you about my favorite product. It's called the Biohacking Pack. It's a five mushroom box It comes beautifully packaged with lion's mane for REM sleep and brain health, reishi for just chilling out and immunity, holy shiitake for radiance, hair and nail health, turkey tail for your gut, and of course, cordyceps, my favorite for energy. And this pack is really the ultimate way to experience the best of the medicinal mushroom world in one box. All of their products are grown in pristine Byron Bay with the best air and water, and of course, 100% organic ingredients. They're also full spectrum and bioavailable, which means their delivery works. It gets in your blood and makes you feel good. If you want to check them out, here's what you do. Go to lifecycle.com. That's L-I-F-E-C-Y-K-E-L, lifecycle.com. If you get over there and place an order before March 31st, 2020, you can save 20% off by using the code LUKESAVE20. That's lifecycle.com. The code is LUKESAVE20. After that, you're going to get 10% using the code uh, STORY10, and that expires November 2020. So again, go to lifecycle.com, L-I-F-E-C-Y-K-E-L. Use the code LUKESAVE20, and after that, the code STORY10. And now, back to the interview. Yeah, I've been using uh, something for a few months called New Calm, and it's mm-hmm. this very dense neuroacoustic track, kind of like, you know, binaural beats on steroids. And it comes with a little quantum sticker, which used to be like an electrode with some GABA cream that would open your GABA receptors. Now it's just kind of, a, I think, an imprint of GABA and L-theanine mm-hmm. that you put right here on this artery. And then you listen to these tracks, and it's like, within seven to 14 minutes, you're like, just completely theted out. And it's just, it's, it's the most restful. It's like a forced meditation, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been meditating for a long, long time. I can do it freestyle. I love it. It's great. Mm -hmm. But if I have a short period of time and I need to drop in or I'm on a plane or something. So what I've done with some of your meditations is kind of hacked it. There's one of them that has a very subtle music track. I forget if it's energy centers one or, um, probably not one. No, maybe it was actually, maybe it's, um, 
No, I don't even think it's in that series. It's, oh shit, I forget which one it is. It might not be one of those three. It might be... Um, well, there's eight of them now. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, there's eight oh, of them. <laughs> well, anyway, whatever one it is I've been listening to, it's around 50 minutes long and it's the same time as one of the new Calm tracks. So I'll put one set of headphones in with your like earbuds with your mm -hmm. meditation and then I listen to the wow. new Calm on top of wow. it. And it's like, yeah, it puts me in complete deep space nine. It's the wow. most fantastic wow. experience. That's a great idea. Yeah, there's... And that's what I almost like was going to email your website and be like, can I get these tracks without the music so I can experiment with my own neuroacoustic, mm -hmm. you know, brainwave entrainment tracks and stuff. But, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I still do them the same mm -hmm. way and they're all good, but I'm just kind of, uh, it's someone that likes to experiment and stack different things. And mm -hmm. well, if this is already good, what if I add these five things on top of it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would wish, I wish I had the time to do that all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is you talk about the effects of light as it pertains to these states of consciousness. So there's one element of it would be those visuals, visuals of the fractals mm -hmm. and um, kaleidoscope effects mm -hmm. and things like that. What about the effect of all of the artificial light in our environment, such as blue light at night and some of these things we're becoming aware of now as a disruption to our circadian rhythm? Yeah. Does that interfere yeah. with consciousness? Um, exploration. I, I, I mean, maybe if the person has a weakened system already, I think the environmental cue could uh, drive the nervous system in one direction or another. Um, I think if a person's spending 12 hours exposure-wise to these very strong uh, fluorescent incandescents, I think it has an effect on the nervous system. Um, but, but I also know that like, if you just got up and turn your light on in your bathroom in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, um, you'll start making serotonin because your eye is sensitive to that band of visible light. If you have red bulbs, orange bulbs, you know, dark yellow bulbs, that wavelength doesn't seem to stimulate uh, as, as much serotonin. So uh, I think the real issue is not all that artificial stuff, which we're, we're always going to have, is actually being out in the right kind of light, and that's nature, right? And opening our awareness and not keep narrowing our focus, but experiencing all of it and being in, in the electromagnetism of you know, complex living systems that are interfering with each other. And I mean, that to me, that's the right kind of light. And I think it has a refreshing or rebooting in nature is just should be, should be something that human beings as a species has to do, you know? I mean, That's, I do it. I mean, I travel yeah. all over the place. I take my shoes off. I run somewhere and I lay on the ground, you know, even if it's over 20 minutes, I just got to do it. That's I'm what I was just doing when Joseph called me. I was out in the sun with my bare feet. And I was like, oh, there'll be a little while. I was just like, I need to just be in nature, just kind of bask in this, in this natural light. I mean, it seems to me in terms of a lot of our degenerative disease, it's, largely due to our domestication of ourselves, you know, and our lifestyle, our disconnection from, yeah. Yeah. from natural light and from grounding and from, you know, being disconnected from our sure. environment, sort sure. of turning ourselves into zoo animals. Yeah. And I, and, um, well, I raised three kids and that was just the deal that I had with them. You can do technology, but you got to do something in nature, whether you surf or you kiteboard or you rock climb or whatever those you know, they all do something, but it was a great way for them that they could just lay their phone down for a day or for six hours and surf or do whatever, rock climb, and just not have a thought about their phone, right? Just disconnect from technology and be out, you know, in that, in that open space, in that nature. And I think it's a really healthy thing for, for us to remember. 
in other systems, I don't know if you're familiar with DNRS, the work of Annie Hopper. No. Um, she does some work around reprogramming your brain. And her theory is that many of us that have experienced trauma at different points in our life are kind of caught in this limbic system mm-hmm. trauma loop, right? Mm-hmm. This this dump of adrenaline and cortisol. And once it's in your system, you kind of get addicted to that. Uh, you know, similar to the things you talk about, it's a little bit different framework. And so she has you know, these different exercises and things you do that um, help heal that and get you out of that that loop. And one of the things she's found it most effective for is people with EMF sensitivities and chemical sensitivities. Mm. And it's starting to really click with me because so much of the work I do is in biohacking and alternative health and myself. I mean, I take a million supplements. I'm always paranoid about EMFs and, you know, all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. And And her kind of theory is that the more afraid you are of your environment is kind of coming from that limbic system and you think you're being healthy by all these obsessive tactics to protect the body from outside threats, but really that there is a safety that can be generated from the inside that can almost render you impervious to the deleterious impact of your environment. I agree with that 100%. What's I mean, your what's your take on, on well, that? Well, look, I mean, uh, God, I ran a, I ran a really big... Uh, health clinic for years. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people a week we saw. And we, we dealt with chronic health conditions and, and chronic health conditions require a lifestyle change. Now, you have three types of stress, physical, chemical, and emotional. Physical stress, trauma, accidents, injuries, falls, a chemical stress, viruses, bacteria, molds, funguses, blood sugar levels, uh, hangovers, you know, whatever. And then you have emotional stress, uh, traffic jams, internet connections, second mortgages, single parenting, 401ks, whatever. And all those things knock the brain and body out of balance. And so the three types of stressors that create imbalance, then you have three types of balance, physical, chemical, and emotional. So physical balance would be, you know, exercise, Pilates, yoga, chiropractic, massage, acupuncture, something to help the physical body. Then chemical balance, you know, you eliminate certain foods, you do the right type of things, um, you know, you um, make better choices, take vitamins, take whatever, any, any chemical drug that could that help the body stay in balance, like hormone or whatever. And then you have emotional balance and in Emotional balance is regulating and dealing with stress. And, and it turns out that 75 to 90% of every person that walks into a healthcare facility in the Western world walks in because of a stress-related disorder, emotional stress, psychological stress. That's nine out of 10 people or eight out of 10 people on the average. Because all stress ends up as psychological stress. You break your leg, you can't go to work, physical stress. Uh, you know, you have to take drugs, it changes your chemistry. You now you're emotionally stressed, you know, so... so we, when, we, when we ran the clinic, we were really clear that if you got two out of three of those in order, the third one would always come around. Get them more chemically balanced, more emotionally balanced, and more physically balanced. Get them more physically balanced, more chemically balanced, and be more emotionally balanced. Get them more physically balanced, more emotionally balanced, and be more chemically balanced, just the way it works. Uh, and and the, the success rate was really great. Um, but one of the things that people were doing is that they were thinking, well, okay, they were such a perfectionistic, self-judgmental, rigid, fearful person that was eating all the right foods, but they were super sick. Like they had food allergies, they had, you know, acid reflux, they had constipation, they had rashes. I mean, and they're, you're wondering what it is that's causing this and they're eliminating more foods and nothing's working because the body is, has been conditioned into fear. So the body is in a constant state of vigilance. 
an emergency, and the body's believing that there's some danger, some predator around the corner, and it's not a time to eat when you're in that state. It's a time to run, fight, or hide. And so people get switched on to these states, and they can do all that right stuff, you know, and, um, and, and, and box themselves further into a corner. But the real issue then, if they're eating the most organic food combining, ketogenic, vegan, zone, no water, <laughs> the right enzymes, and all of yeah. that stuff. They're going to take all that food, they're going to break it down into amino acids, and then the cells are going to, the signal from the cell is fear, so they're going to make organic fear proteins. They're just going to wear that because that's the signal. That's, that it's the chemical that's instructing and selecting the gene in the cell. So, so it's an important element then to address the emotional part because there, there are events in our life that cause us to feel certain emotions and we, we peer through the lens of our senses through those emotional states and in a sense we're thinking in the past. So the body, if the body is conditioned emotionally into fear, it's believing it's in the same environmental condition, whether it's real or not. And so the body then in a constant state of fear is not a time to metabolize. It's not time for long-term building projects. It's not a time for growth and repair, eliminating, you know, assimilating. Uh, it's emergency. The cell shuts down. So, so it's important for the person. We've seen this so many times in our research then that, that they're sensitized to everything in their environment because they're mobilizing all this energy for some threat in their outer world. They don't have the energy in their inner world for growth and repair. And so they're sensitive to everything. And, and it's, the, it's, their, it's their emotions that are actually weakening and downregulating the whole system. So then you throw in electromagnetism, which now frequency, which is now the fourth kind of stress, and the person's sensitized, then yeah, you will see them sensitized to things in their environment because they're more prone are more victimized to their environment. And yet, you know, when you, when you recalibrate, you know, we've seen this thousands of times. People break free from fear and all of a sudden their digestion changes, their pain levels go away, their vision improves, you know, their, 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 their acid reflux goes away, their, their insomnia changes. You know, they just, it's just the system gets, gets freed, freed from survival. And now the body moves back into homeostasis, moves back into balance. So I'm not saying that diet's bad. No, I eat well and I take care of myself and I exercise. It's all important. But in, in fact, I react. But the question is, how long are you going to react? <laughs> That's the real question, right? right? right. So, so being able to, to piece it all together for a big, bigger model, I think um, it helps people then to be more sensible about a bigger picture. Yeah, I find for myself and many other people that follow the show um, that are quite aware of, you know, environmental toxins and stressors and all of this stuff. It's um, it's a delicate balance between having an awareness and then moving into fear and being in that fight or flight thing. You yeah. know, like I unknowingly was living under two giant cell towers for three years, and I'm very aware of the harmful effects of EMS. Yeah. I didn't know they were there, but they still made me sick. Right. I talked to Bruce Lipton about this. I'm like, so. I could see if I'm living under the cell towers and I know they're there, then the psychological, you know, uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, sort of damage done by the fear uh, and even the chemical damage possibly done would make sense that they're making me more sick, but they still made me sick even though I didn't know they were there, you know? So it's like, yeah. what do you do when you become aware? I guess you move, yeah, of course. but you don't worry about it, you know? Well, with frequency, it's about exposure. Right. I mean, you take your cell phone, it's a transistor. You place it up against 78% water and you got a wave coming through your brain and you keep doing that over and over again. You do that for 20 years. Yeah, the frequency is going to regulate different proteins. You stand in front of an x-ray machine over and over again and you work in an x-ray lab and you're not taking care of yourself. The exposure over time is going to mutate, mutate DNA in cells. 
So with, with frequency, it becomes a function of exposure, right? And, and so, uh, again, um, I would say then the person that is more coherent in their uh, energy, more coherent in their heart and brain coherence, uh, may have enough of a field effect to disseminate or deflect uh, some of that. But again, that's a, just a speculation. Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's pretty spot on because I know many people that are just kind of unaware of a lot of this stuff and they don't seem to be affected <laughs> yeah. by it. And I know a lot of people, they're very concerned about it and the neuroses yeah. of yeah. the awareness is almost a double jeopardy, you know, net negative effect well, because the, it's like the, now the, you know, oh my God, that glass of water had fluoride and yeah. chloramine the in judge, it. You know? The moment you judge it before it happens, you know, you're creating, a, you're, de- you're deflecting either what slit the photon's going to go through. I mean, it's, you're making a choice, right? Right. So, but, but I mean, it's, it's there, you can't deny that there are, you know, that on the average person that falls in that bell curve of normal or to the person who has a weakened immune system that's in the low end of the bell curve or the person who's in a neurotic state that they're afraid is going to be bad for them. The fear uh, of being afraid of what's going to happen. Actually, the body's belief is happening to them. That's why they're f- afraid. So the body's more susceptible because it's it's believing based on the fear that it's already happening to them. That's uh, that's makes them more prone to uh, uh, to effects. As you've developed your meditations and visualiz- visualizations and all the things that are <clears throat> allowing these miraculous healings to take place in your events, um, how have those evolved, and why would a guy like me who's been meditating for over 20 years on a very regular basis still have a bum back, you know, like I'm going into the theta states. I'm, I'm thinking positive. I'm having heart coherence. I'm doing breath work. I'm squeezing the spine and getting that fluid up into the brain. And I'm doing those things. I'm like, my back is still jacked up. You know, what, mm-hmm. what's the secret sauce that you've, yeah. that you think you've not, and I know you're too humble to take credit for it, but what are the different pieces you've kind of put together that might be lacking in someone's individual practice? Sure. sure. Well, um, of course, I'm speaking from my present state of ignorance, but I, I do see that um, there's something that happens when people um, make up their mind. You know, I think your body is a community of cells that's spying on your brain. I think most people, when they're making up their mind to do something, they're sitting on the couch, they got their laptop, their cell phone, their, their, their tablet, they got the big screen TV, they got the remote control, and they're like, ah, I think I'll change tomorrow. And the body's like, <laughs> he's lying to himself. He's not, he's not changing. And, and when we make a decision, though, like I, I studied enough people, Luke, that, that had a, a transcendental moment and a healing that was a result of it. They just made up their mind, and they and and they came up against this constant belief that it, that that this could work for everybody else, but for me, and that's what's stopping them from having the experience, right? So, so it was natural for them to just say, "I'm going all in," and the kind of that making up your mind. They made a decision with such firm intention that the amplitude of that decision carried a level of energy that caused their body to respond to their mind. It was greater than the hardwired programs and the emotional conditioning in the body. 
And the choice that they make became the moment in time that they would never forget. That's the moment they knew that their healing would begin. That was the moment that they did it with such a level of emotion and energy. The stronger the emotion they feel, the more they pay attention to the choice. And they're moving their brain and body out of their past, present reality into a future, present reality. The body's getting a sampling, a taste of the future emotionally, and they're aligned. And the healing begins in that moment, and they show up with that kind of intensity that they're not analyzing uh, they're not thinking in their waking day. Why isn't this working? Why am I this? Why am I that? They're they're in pursuit. They're in pursuit of it. They're they're staying away from their same thoughts. They're staying away from the way they do certain things. They're staying away from certain emotions. They're paying attention in their waking day. What is it? If that pain had a a, a pain had a feeling, what would it be? You know, they're they're inquisitive. They want to know. It's information there. Um, what am I not seeing? Uh, am I am I um Am I coming to the point where I should go a little further, you know, trust a little more? And so, so to the outsider, when you see the person who has the healing, you would think, oh, that person's just lucky they popped, you know. But what you don't know. <laughs> that's, that's the way I think about yeah, it. But what you, you know, don't. I see someone get out of the wheelchair and I'm like, I just have a sore back. I can't even get, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, give me, cut me a break here, God. What, what the hell, man? So, so here's the last point. So, yeah. so that person who, who has that moment, you know, that that powerful moment, you would think that it was just the moment, but what you don't know is what they've been overcoming for the last year and what they've been doing, what they've been laying on the line, what they've been changing. And so I can tell you also that many people, um, the pain doesn't change. Uh, A lot of times it's almost like an irritant to keep them looking at themselves. It's an irritant, uh, a disruption that's causing them to pay more attention. What am I missing? It's that, and it's that, that kind of inquiry, the discomfort, and looking deeper sometimes is what the subconscious wants. It wants the big release, right? It wants the whole thing. And, then I, and I said this in the lecture. I mean, I, I watch people say that I, I just thought I was doing my meditation wrong. I was so frustrated. I was so this. I was so that. And, and, and they realize that they're at the end. They're right at the end. They're, they're doing it right and they're just going to go one more time. They're not going to care. They're just going to say, I got to go one more. I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to give up. And they just go that extra time. And then, and then here's, the, here's the release. Here's the breakthrough. So I think it's a lot of different variables. I think it comes with a new energy. You know, I always go fresh when I'm stuck. I just go fresh. And I, and I also go back to the basics. <laughs> I go right back to the meditation of uh, breaking the habit of being yourself. I write down my thoughts. I write down my reactions emotionally. I write down my behaviors. I write down what I'm saying every day. Just, I want to get conscious of all that because if I'm going unconscious and I'm trying to get this, but I'm not paying attention to all the unconscious stuff, you can think positively all you want. <laughs> but if your body's programmed into negativity, that thought's never going to make it past the brainstem and, and uh, program the autonomic nervous system. So it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good thing when this happens, especially for healthy, uh, health-minded, physically healthy, emotionally healthy person like you, it's almost like there's got to be something there that keeps you engaged. It's got to right. keep you going. And, and that's happened to me too. I've, I've worked on things, my God, for two years. And, and I just stopped after a certain point in time looking for it. I didn't even care. I just, I got so involved in the effort that there was no separation between the thought and the act. Actually, the effort, the the act is what created the experience. I wasn't looking when it was going to happen. I was too engaged in what I was doing. I was all in, right? And so we kind of freshen that up a little bit. We go at it a different way. The whole entire time, I'm changing. 
I'm alone the entire time. I'm getting so happy with me that all of a sudden I don't even care any longer. And I, I forget that it, it all of a sudden changes and it doesn't even matter any longer because I'm okay now, right? I mean, so I don't know how to explain. You, only, you can only talk, you know, around this. You know, it's, it's a kind of an interesting thing, but I, I always see it, uh, discomfort or irritation as uh, us to look deeper and, and go a little further. If there's an artifact of irritation, even after someone's had a, a fairly um, large scale remission of something, do you think that perhaps it might be a little karmic hook that's kind of just left in their yeah yeah in, the, in their field oh yeah to kind of keep them engaged in the fight so they're not just like cool don't have to do those meditations I'll, anymore well, we see people go like oh my god I just the most incredible experience ninety percent of my pain is gone and then and somehow that that's that's what keeps them there that that's what keeps them engaged that's what keeps them going so I don't know what keeps people going some people you know they need something that we need some adversity we need some challenge in our life to stay conscious you know to stay aware so so as i think it's a it's a it's a it's a laundry list of complex things it's a list of complex things but when they all come together you know that nodal point that that moment where it all lines up again we see people that have that experience and they're completely healed and it never comes back they're just but now they're ready to create a job and they're on their next thing and then we see people that over time heal their condition, and then they start going back to certain emotions and they see their condition starting to come back again. So they, they, have to, they have to work a little harder and shaving it down and staying there. You know, Sometimes when the people have the, the instantaneous ones, usually it's permanent. I mean, it really is. I mean, they, they're just different. They're just different to the core all the way in. There's something I have not heard you talk about. And in our last couple of minutes here, I wonder if you could touch on it because many of the listeners have been like, ask them about this, ask them about this. And I, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about it. Apparently someone heard you say it at some point, but that there have begun in, in recent years or months that there's visitations kind of in some of the events from energetic beings or something that is kind of non-material and yeah. that is perceivable by multiple people, not just in your head or something like that. Yeah, well, um, those fractal patterns, Luke, are really doors they're 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 really they're dimensional doors and the more organized and the more coherent and the more beautiful they are and the more complex and whole uh, the greater the consciousness is accessible to a more wholeness appears and so there are numerous accounts and, and i'm not a i'm not a, this type of swim with the dolphins type of guy i mean i'm not that kind of <laughs> I, I get that I'm that's not why that i was person. surprised and when i started seeing them and they and i started seeing what was happening and then people started recounting their their experiences. I mean, their experiences. Here's the deal. The being that shows up and grabs the lady's leg and shakes the lady's leg, she said he had no interest in me at all. He just wanted to shake this out. And I was saying to him in my mind, you do realize that hurts. And he, <laughs> she, he didn't stop, you know, and he sent her the thought of the pain's got to come to the surface, you know. And then another person that had all these other crazy health conditions from arrhythmias to skin cancer to a, a constipation to shoulder problem to, to anxiety. The beings show up and they say, hey, remember when you hurt your shoulder uh, 22 years ago? We're going to work with that first. And the same count, they grab it and they start shaking it. And she's like, ow, yeah, it's got to come to the surface. Then they say, remember the time you had the ectopic pregnancy? Yeah, yeah, I forgot. Well, they put your intestines in improperly. We're going to work with those. Hey, Remember after 9-11, living over there, how, how you were so stressed out and traveling? Well, your nervous system is, is out of balance. And then they work with her nervous system and she feels them, you know, 
and and then hey, you've uh, you know you had this cancer, you know, and on your skin, and they start rubbing her skin, the whole entire skin, and then and then uh, your heart, they take her heart out and they put it back in, or they this crazy thing, and you know, here's the here's the deal. She's she's a high functioning businesswoman, successful. That's not really spiritually minded. And um, what's the important point for me? Well, that lady who they, they shook her knee and her hip and twisted her from side to side. Her legs were going all over the place while it was going on, and she's a big lady. All her pain went away. Now the lady with the skin cancer and the arrhythmias and the shoulder problem and the constipation and and um, the anxiety, none of that, she hasn't had a palpitation. She, had a, she hasn't had an arrhythmia since. She has had no shoulder pain. Her, her elimination is perfect. All, her skin all, all of a sudden started scabbing and all these things started falling. I, I really don't care. I really don't care what the person's subjective experience is. It's, it's incidental to the effect it produces in their biology, right? Or, or in their life. That's, that's really more important. So you may say that person has a vivid imagination. Really? Well, that was really vivid. So vivid, yeah. so vivid that it, it epigenetically signaled new genes and for health and downregulated genes for disease. I mean, that's how monumental it was. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I, I love that kind of stuff because I, I like the out there stuff myself. You yeah. know? As I said, especially when science meets it and there's, you know, indisputable evidence that something has changed, regardless of, you know, whether you can prove, oh, this, you know, 20 foot tall bean came in the room and did it. It's like, did it work? That's what I want exactly. to know. You know, and, you know like we, we have people that yeah. are getting their brain scans and, and there are 500 standard deviations outside of gamma sitting there motionless and the neuroscientist comes running over and breaks them out of the state. And you okay? He said, what are you doing? <laughs> Why'd you do that? What are you doing? I was just uh, helping. I was with these beings. I was helping all of these souls that were lost between worlds, between matter and that field. They were caught in purgatory. I was helping them across. He said, oh, I thought you were having a seizure. I was very far from a seizure, dude. I mean, he was there. I mean, you know, so that's real. That's, that's, uh, that's a real phenomenon, you know? All right. I could go on about this literally forever. I thank you so much for your time today. I've got one closing question for you. Uh, you've taught me an immense amount through your books and meditations. And I know so many of my listeners are just such avid devotional fans of all that you're putting into the world. You're helping so many people. Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced you in your work that you might recommend our listeners go check out? Oh, science. <laughs> science in general? Science in general. I mean, I mean, we're in an age of information. And in an age of information, ignorance is a choice. I mean, you don't need a doctor. You don't need a teacher. You don't need a priest or a rabbi or a minister to gain any information. You don't need an authority to get to it. So I'm just the type of person. I mean, I love so many great scientists because I want to build that model of understanding for myself. I mean, I want to, I want to investigate it and do two things, produce an outcome when I understand it or have a mystical transcendental experience where I got to go back to science and explain what the hell that, excuse my language, what it was that, that, that changed me. So um, science, I, I would say uh, my parents, just great mentors, great teachers, uh, uh, a great, great um, uh, stewards. And, and then I had a teacher in high school uh, named Mr. Galashevsky, and he was my physics teacher. 
and he taught me how to think and he taught me how to study and he, he taught me how to learn and, and be passionate about it. And, and, and I, I had a, one extra class, uh, uh, a study class, or you get a study class in your, when you're in high school. And, and he tutored me in, in biomechanics. And we, we did all these crazy experiments and he was just very close. And, and I read this book on neuroscience one day and, and it said, you know, all the different people in our lives that influence us, that shape our brains, you know? And I started thinking of him and I, I was on my porch I had never been to any class reunions in college, graduate school, high school. I never went. I'm just not that type of guy. And I just got the thought to call him on the phone. It was with June. And, and it was the, it turns out it was the last day of school. And it was his last day no of teaching. Way. Wow. And they hooked me right up to his room. And he said, hello. And I said, hey, Mr. Galashevsky. I said, I doubt if you remember me. It's been, a, been more than 35 years. Uh, but God, I just wanted to call you. And this is Joe Dispenza. I want to thank you you know, for the way you taught me and how you inspired me to learn. And he said, of course, I remember you because I got him a little fishing vest, you know, after, the, after he tutored me. And I said, God, I just, I just want to say that um, you've, you've influenced me in so many ways. And he said, well, this is the last day of my high school career. And he said, I couldn't, couldn't have ended any, uh, any better way because I'm literally just about ready to walk out the door. And that makes a difference for me. So it was kind of a cool moment. Wow. Yeah. And that's a great way to end a podcast. Uh, give us your websites and social media, and then we're out. Sure. Uh, DrJoeDispenza.com is the website. Social media, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Facebook, uh, Twitter, you know, um, Instagram, it's all there. Cool. Yeah. And I might add, just as a visitor to your site, there is a plethora of information there and all of the books and, you know, mm-hmm. audio books and downloads of the meditations. It's, it's, there's a lot to dive into. Online courses. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That too. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. If I couldn't get into Indian Wells, I was going to do the online course. <laughs> all, you, all you had to do is just ask me. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I was, I was just still in civilian mode there. So, you know, I wasn't like a podcast host yet. But no, but, but, but Indian Wells, we're going to have a research team there. We're going to measure protein markers. We're going to do brain scans. We're going to do HRV measurements. We're, we're going to measure energy of the room. I mean, we're, we're, we're putting together a really big model and we have researchers, physicians, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, PhDs all coming in. They're, in, they're super curious. Yeah, Incredible. Well, yeah. I'll see you there, dude. All right. Excellent. All right, thanks so much, Joe. You're welcome, Luke. Thank you. As regular listeners of the show know, I often like to close these episodes with a moment of thanks, a moment of appreciation, gratitude. And today is no exception. As I sit and look over my manuscript that I use to do my plugs and promos and all of those things, which of course is part of the operation. It's a a necessary part of the business component of this creative exploration into growth, healing, and consciousness. I'm struck by the miraculous nature of my life and how somehow through some work, some diligence, commitment, uh, discipline, uh, and grace, and perhaps even fate or karma... I have the opportunity to sit down and have intimate and deep and profound conversations with people like Dr. Joe Dispenza. If you would have told me back in the day, whatever year that was, that the film, uh, What the Bleep Do, what is it? What the Bleep Do We Know? I think it was called. We just call it What the Bleep. That's that's how it kind of ended up being named, but there is a full name to it. Uh, when that came out, that was a really big deal. That was kind of the first time in my journey where I was able to make a direct correlation between spirituality, God, consciousness, etc., and 
hard and fast science. It's where the metaphysical and physical worlds met in a way that was so uplifting and enlightening to me. And uh, if you would have tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, see that young, brilliant chiropractor (laughs) named Dr. Joe Dispenza there, who's just spitting mad game on the depth of quantum physics, consciousness, uh, you'll be sitting there having a one-on-one conversation with him someday and asking him whatever you want to ask him. And uh, that will be your career. I just would have never believed that. And it just goes to show how important it is for all of us. Uh, And this is something that Joe expressly teaches throughout all of his content is that our ability to manifest the lives and the reality that we so desire is really contingent on our ability to visualize that uh, in advance. And it's crazy that even though I didn't visualize this particular encounter as being in the realm of possibility for my future at that time, I have been working on envisioning the life of my dreams for many years. And now for the past three and a half or so, since I sort of retired from the fashion industry and felt like I had done what needed to be done there and and moved on to the health and wellness space, I guess you could say, is where I live now. Uh, I'm still unable to completely describe to people what it is that I do, but it's something like that. And (laughs) actually, I had a realization recently in a ceremony that uh, what I do is I talk. You know, it's just a funny, it's a funny thing, especially for someone like myself who felt as though I had no voice for uh, much of my life. And I guess I really found my voice, man. You just give me a microphone or a camera and I'm on most of the time. But it, it really is just something I'm so grateful for. And uh, it's just an amazing time in history where people like me can produce content and share information that's educational and inspiring with people. And I can curate Uh, all of the thought leaders and most brilliant minds, souls, and hearts in the world and deliver them to you as I hopefully did with um, some uniqueness in this conversation with Joe Dispenza. So I'm just giving gratitude to God and gratitude to you as a listener because without you paying attention to the podcast and the videos and the other content I create on social media, I mean, I don't know, would I still do it? I guess if, if I was just in a complete echo chamber or vacuum, uh, I would just be living my best life and I'd have some kind of a career or company or job and I would just be studying the work of people like Joe Dispenza and um, probably living happily ever after. But the bonus for me is really getting to do my work, my own healing, my own growth and take people like you along for the ride um, to do it with me, which is just so amazing. And even though much of the community that I'm building is remote and many members of the community have a more intimate relationship with I than I with them. Uh, That will soon be changing at least to some degree as I move into uh, doing more retreats and events and things of that nature you can look forward to uh, where I get to actually meet you and get to know you. But for now, you know me and you know the guest and uh, for this, I'm truly grateful. If you enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Joe, it would mean a lot to me if you would be willing to share it with a couple of friends if um, if you're so inclined. If you want to go above and beyond and you're feeling it, something that's really useful is to go to the uh, podcast app. At least this works on the Apple podcast app and just scroll all the way down to the bottom of my feed and you'll see a little tab where it says leave a review. 
And uh, you can click on the fifth star there if you think I deserve the fifth. And, uh, and then leave a comment or review on the show. It's a great way to help me um, maintain my spot in the ratings in iTunes. It's a, it's a very competitive space. And in order to get eyes and ears on this work, uh, the ratings and reviews really help. And of course, the one-on-one recommendations that I first requested are also a huge help too. And even when you do share the show with a friend or someone you love, or maybe someone that you don't even love that much, or you just think could use an awakening, uh, ask them to share it too. You know, the power of uh, virility, is that what it's called when something goes viral? I might've just made up a word, but um, the power of human to human sharing is um, extremely uh, useful and important. And it's something that's so easy to do. And I love sending people podcasts or Instagram posts or Twitter posts, things that I find that are funny or... Uh, just entertaining or in, encouraging or educational, or whatever the case may be, inspiring. Uh, I love sharing those with my friends. I probably do that every day. And I also do it just to support people who maybe don't have a huge audience, but are doing something really cool to help them grow. So anyway, there's my uh, sincere and heartfelt thanks to you, to Dr. Joe, and just to uh, you know, creation for putting me in the position that I'm in. I also would really like to thank our sponsors. And this one I want to give some special love to, and that's Peak Tea, spelled P-I-Q-U-E-T-E-A, peaktea.com. Uh, these guys make the best tea I've ever had in my life. I've never been a huge tea guy, like coffee, generally speaking. But uh, Peak Tea make these little tea crystals that come in packets. And I think the reason I like their tea is, A, it's so user-friendly and easy to travel with. In fact, last night I was doing some recording and I was just a little bit tired, but it was way too late to have coffee. So I made a cold tea, uh, not even ice, just like actually not even cold, just some room temperature, live spring water. And I poured one of their amazing Pu'er teas. It's their very limited quantity, uh, by the way, the Pu'er teas. And uh, the discount code I'm going to give you for the record does not apply to the fermented Pu'er tea due to their limited availability. It's a really special black tea, uh, kind of boiled down to these crystals that dissolve in water. And I'm drinking that just going, this is like the best tea I've ever had, ever. Um, and it's converting me into being a tea drinker. And I'll also let you know a little recording secret here. If you're someone that interviews people for podcasts or videos or something like that, my secret sauce is truly having people come in and I've already got water heated up when they come in to record. I mean, guests come over to my, my home studio. And uh, it's very rare that someone will have coffee because usually I record later in the afternoon and it's just, it's not common. But people usually go for a tea over a water. And I'll kind of push it on. I'll say like, hey, the, you know, the kettle's already hot. Let me make you some tea. And then um, they'll let me pick usually, you know, so they want caffeinated or non-caffeinated usually the question. And then I will pick one of these great peak teas. And it's so awesome because all I do is just cut the top off this little pack and just stir it in water. Maybe I put some uh, Beekeeper's Naturals honey in there if they want it sweetened. And I swear to you, I'm not even joking. Every time I hand it to someone, like, oh my God, what is this tea? This is amazing. And I think what it is, is it's so concentrated that um, it just has such a, a robust flavor profile. 
And that's one of the reasons I've never been a huge tea person because I'll put like three, I'm not even joking, I'll put three or four tea bags in a tea just to like make it taste like something. I feel like tea just tastes watery and it's a waste of time. I'm like, what am I getting out of this? I don't know, maybe I'm just hardcore. Um, anyway, man, go buy some Peak Tea. It's a great company. They're very conscious, like all their packages, packaging is environmentally friendly, like the whole thing, top to bottom. I really vetted them because I'm like, ah, do I want to have someone like slanging tea on my show? Like, I don't get it, you know? And they sent me a bunch of tea. I was like, holy shit, this is good. And then looking uh, deeper into the company, just the way that they work with the people that grow the tea, the vendors, they're just a very conscious, cool company. So go to peaktea.com, that's P-I-Q-U-E-T-E-A, and use the code LUKESTORY over there and get yourself 10% off your peak tea. As I said, it does not apply to the fermented puer tea, but it applies to just about everything else. So get over to peaktea.com. And while you're drinking that tea, especially late in the evening, you might as well just wear some blue blocks, blue blocking eyewear. Uh, the website there is blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X. Every time I wear some blue blocking glasses at night, people always ask me, where'd you get those? Where'd you get those? And it's an easy sell, blueblocks.com. If you use the code lifestylist over there, you're going to save 15% off. Last but certainly not least, and if you heard, uh, when was that? Last week's episode, I think it was, no, two weeks ago. I had a Julian Mitchell, Australian gentleman on the show from the company Lifecycle that uh, make these fantastic medicinal mushroom tinctures. In fact, when I woke, I keep a, a set of those in my uh, upstairs bathroom, like the master bedroom bath, master bathroom, is that what they call it? Uh, anyway, where I don't have to go down to the kitchen. Well, I have another box of them in the kitchen, actually, right on the counter. Um, so I have my life cycle little biohackers box that has, I think it's five different medicinal mushroom uh, tinctures. And this morning, the first thing I do uh, is I have my uh, Quicksilver Scientific Keto Before Six uh, on my bathroom counter. Take a swig of that. And then I do uh, quite a few squirts of the old life cycle mushrooms. I'll usually start the day with the cordyceps, which is really great for energy. And uh, to make sure that my gut is feeling real good when I wake up, I'll do the turkey tail. They also have a shiitake in there. What else is in there? Lion's mane for brain. I use lion's mane more. I mean, I use it during the day too, because I use it when I stack psilocybin and stuff. But I mean, microdosing psilocybin. Don't, don't get me wrong. Not, not trying to trip through my day um but i really uh enjoy the lion's mane at night because it's so good for rem sleep and so i'm always geeking out with my aura ring trying these different formulas and seeing what does what and then also the reishi that life cycle makes is really great for just calming your nervous system and improving sleep too so life cycle is freaking awesome you can find their stuff at lifecycle.com that's l-i-f-e-c-y-k-e-l L-I-F-E-C-Y-K-E-L, lifecycle.com. And until March 31st, 2020, you can save 20% off on all their stuff using the code LUKESAVE20. That's LUKESAVE20. So there you go. There's our wonderful sponsors without whom this episode and every episode you've ever heard would be impossible because like, someone's got to pay the video editors, the graphic designers, the web developers, all the people on my team at Crate Media, whom I love. These guys are just killing it. We've got some great stuff in store for you guys in terms of upping the production value. I'm going to make the intros shorter. Uh, we're going to have more robust show notes that are time stamped. We're going to have transcripts uh, of every episode. 
I just invested in new camera equipment here in the studio. So mo- well, every show I shoot here in studio in my home is going to be a three camera shot. We're going to be doing some IGTV videos, those little 12 minute videos that highlight the best parts of the interviews. So um, I'm stepping it up and I'm reinvesting in uh, my brand here. Thanks to you supporting our sponsors who support the show. So not only do you get great products, but you're helping to improve the quality and even quantity of the Life Stylist podcast. And with that, I again tip my hat to you in gratitude and appreciation. And I wish you the most fulfilling, peaceful, blissful, expanded life ever. Much love. I'll be back with you on Friday.